Hello everyone, this is uh, Alberto Ferro, your host at uh, Where is the Music podcast. As you're getting ready for a new musical investigation, preparing your ears and imagination for another journey in the world of music, I would like to remind you that Where is the Music podcast has no sponsor. It relies entirely on donations from listeners like yourselves. You can find a link to my website, albertoferro.com, and to my Patreon account in the episode description. If you like what I do and would like me to continue doing it, I encourage you to become a supporter of the podcast, which publishes an episode every week. Thank you for listening, and now let's find out where is the music. interesting aspects of music of music creation and the many meanings that music can uh, convey to us today is uh, the turn of one of my uh, personal favorite uh, i've been learning this uh, uh, music a long time ago and since has been very close to my heart uh, this is uh, ravel uh, tombeau de Couperin. Maurice Ravel, as many of you I'm sure know, is a French composer who was active mostly uh, at the beginning of the uh, 20th century. And uh, the Tombeau de Couperin is uh, not one of his most well-known or most performed pieces of music, but of this he made a piano uh, version and an orchestra version. Uh, interestingly, and the piano version is um, a suite of uh, six different pieces, while uh, uh, the orchestra version is just four of them. The reason why I wanted to discuss uh, this with you today is that um, Ravel in this composition deals with a uh, return to the past. Um, the return to the past, it's a the past has a particular role in the creative world of uh, any artist of course and uh, which past how do you see it how do you relate to it how do you invent new things by uh, looking back this is obviously a never-ending uh, topic um, but um, in particular with Ravel I find interesting the way he relates with uh, previous traditions that that uh, uh, he uh, uh, happens to encounter obviously i'm talking about uh, not just the french tradition but uh, the european tradition uh, cultural tradition um, ravel is always very attentive to the past you will found you can find uh, references to either uh, a classical past or uh, an archaic past uh, in many of his uh, works uh, particularly I'm thinking right now about his um, um, uh, many references with uh, waltzes he wrote another beautiful suite uh, called uh, Valse Noble Sentimentals or the even more famous more performed uh, single piece work called La Valse uh, 
Ravel seems to be operating through uh, an aesthetics that uh, uh, fly over many different pasts, uh, different types of uh, classical music. He's interested, as I was saying, in some archaic forms, some dances, he's interested in folklore, and this world are tied um, uh, to a larger uh, art current uh, of this uh, same period. As obviously, neoclassical composers uh, is a thing when Ravel um, operates. Perhaps uh, they were not calling themselves neoclassical and possibly they didn't have the same um, definition we can have today about them, but um, Ravel, Stravinsky and others uh, do belong uh, to this uh, group of uh, artists who were uh, trying to create new things relating with what they considered um, a classical type of music, something that retains some values that uh, should not be uh, lost. Um, there are in his works also forms and styles that uh, definitely break tradition. I'm talking about uh, his uh, employment of dissonances, uh, so extended harmonies, uh, his interest, his attraction and his uh, wide use of uh, uh, jazz idioms, uh, sound and texture explorations uh, that uh, made his uh, his work, particularly the orchestral works, uh, quite unmatched until uh, until his time. Um, the Tombeau de Couperin, the uh, work that we'll be looking at today, uh, is an example. Uh, seems to be a respectful uh, celebration, uh, an homage to the French Baroque composer uh, Couperin, uh, but it, it is in a sense an interesting type of homage because the tombeau, I think, if I'm not wrong, tombeau means the tombstone, and um, it is a homage to what possibly not just Couperin did as an artist, as a composer, but also what Couperin represents to uh, the French uh, music of Ravel's time. Um, it sounds like uh, a work of reverence for a larger, uh, broader, ancient world of aesthetic ideals that um, uh, are now gone. I'm talking about uh, the early 1900s. I think this uh, piece, the Tempo de Couperin, was first published uh, as a piano piece in 1918. So, um, the four, uh, actually the six pieces that compose this uh, suite are a prelude, which is quite a typical way of uh, classical and pre-classical particularly composer uh, to start a work with a prelude, uh, then a fugue, a forlan. The forlan is a very unique type of composition because uh, the only other reference uh, significant reference in music repertoire of Aforlan is by the same composer Couperin, uh, which included one in his uh, one of his concert uh, royaux. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, but Forlan, typically, traditionally, I mean, I had to look it up because 
it's uh, even though it's an Italian folk dance from from Friuli, which is a northern region of Italy, uh, it's a very uh, let's say mysterious type of dance. It's not absolutely well well known or well employed by uh, composers. Um, and uh, similarly, uh, the next uh, uh, composition, the next piece is uh, called Rigodon. It's a lively uh, duple meter dance. Um, and also this one has been also uh, included. Uh, an, a Rigodon has been also written by Couperin in another of his concert royal. Um, and to finish we have a minuet and a toccata. Uh, toccata is uh, a type of composition, a type of instrumental work mainly that um, uh, has a, a longer tradition, um, uh, particularly in early baroque keyboard music tends to have a virtuosic uh, improvisational style uh, in modern times, particularly, remember the Schumann Toccata um, uh, has become a, a sort of a technical piece um, similar maybe to, to a fantasy or, or a prelude. Um, Ravel here in his Toccata, which is quite uh, demanding for the performer, um, follows a model uh, of a perpetuum mobile. Um, so here we have the six pieces that compose this tombeau de Couperin. Prelude, Fugue, Forlan, Rigodon, Menuet and Toccata. I wish we had the time to talk about each one of them, but I'm going to um, pay most attention to the Minuet because I believe through the Minuet we can have a better sense of uh, not only Ravel's personal relation with the past and how the past informs and inspires his creativity, but also why would the past be so uh, important somehow for our inspiration, for our imagination? This particular case is not just any past, like a personal memory or a family mm, event, but is a larger past, is a classical past. And the minuet is uh, the piece in the collection that mostly refers to the classical period. Uh, it's a free four dance uh, belonging to the aristocracy. It's, uh, it's elegant, it's uh, usually moderate tempo, and it's meant to accompany and uh, represent through a social dance uh, the well-educated manners of the aristocratic participants. So, in a sense, the minuet is possibly uh, one of the most self-referential um, uh, instrumental pieces that, uh, that we can find. Uh, earlier it was a dance and later on it became um, a piece just to listen to. Uh, Mozart, Haydn, Beethoven wrote plenty of minuets uh, referencing, uh, hinting at uh, that um, aristocratic world. Um, it became then uh, a strong musical form, it evolved, it transformed, but uh, uh, since the 1700s uh, that was a form that was performed aside from being danced. Ravel, in this case, writes a small object of contemplative beauty. 
this is how I would define it. Uh, I strongly recommend the orchestra version. I will make sure that I add a link to it. So let's see how this goes. I'm gonna start uh, with the first phrase. and gentleness can come out can really come out straight from the uh, 16 or 1700 um, phrases are in baroque style although the harmony is possibly a little bit modern let's hear this particular chord is harmony quite uh, uh, impossible for the 1700 okay now I'm gonna go with the response let's see what happens is not as square as the opening the harmony here has uh, uh, some shades the phrase as I when, when I mean not square I mean is in an odd number of bars listen to this and this is the end of the phrase which is a bit odd one would expect a fourth bar something like this this will be square but obviously uh, Ravel is better than this such as this it's quite quite modern harmonies or uh, even this passage 
quite uh, it's quite modern it's quite rich so um, the last detail I'm gonna point out is the transition between the the opening the one that I meant uh, was very square and linear and the second uh, phrase uh, the transition makes uh, something really odd from major to minor right that's uh, absolutely uh, against all the rules of classical music writing um, so you probably agree there is a, um, a slight sense of disorientation in this uh, response it's either looks like it's either a, a, a modern man looking into the past or a man from the 17th century dropped in the 20th century there is this 200 years of uh, uh, of gap the drama is tangible already but uh, very delicate then there is a closure of this section it's square again However, the shades are there again. Notice these chords. How ambiguous. is the first part of uh, the minuet in a very classical manner uh, Ravel does what every minuet will require have a trio you probably are familiar with the uh, title minuet and trio yes minuet and trio usually the trio is a central section played by just uh, three instruments uh, so much lighter compared to the rest of the minuet played by the larger ensemble um, so obviously trio is a title is a name that has uh, stayed throughout the uh, years but um, uh, just to define the central section of a minuet in this case though uh, the trio is called Moset, which is uh, another very uh, delicate type of dance let's see what happens during this Moset. something the bright delicate uh, pleasant color has changed into a darker one the, mo the mode is minor so we were in G major now we are in, in G minor um, 
notice how these two different colors already creates a contrast uh, not necessarily dramatic contrast but uh, enough for some balance um, more shades are added here um, I'm gonna play you what what happens next and you tell me where are we going plenty of drama here more chromaticism and dissonances are added so from a light elegant aristocratic picture we were presented in the very beginning now we are moved to a subtly dark one darkness insinuates that the melody transforms into something a bit shapeless the accents become uh, unpredictable so it really looks like the dream has turned into a nightmare and play this i'll play this musette again like um, this section this darker section has um, added some uh, uh, some stain uh, there is no innocence anymore uh, then after this the minuet uh, comes back um, comes back with uh, a touch of class and virtuosity the theme of the musette and the theme of the minuet are together they are two faces of the same nature. I'll play it to you. Could you hear? Obviously, this is the theme of the minuet. 
here is the theme of the musette. Together. It is elegant, it is light, aristocratic, beautiful, but as I was saying earlier, probably without innocence. Uh, interestingly, Ravel does not stress any longer that darkness aspect, but it stays on uh, a lighter dimension until the very end. Uh, it's like it feels like it's, it's a nightmare that we must simply forget about. The rest sounds uh, the same. We have another response. Which we have heard already and this is a uh, uh, pretty fairly exactly the same transcription of what happened before just in a in a different key particularly i want to point out that the first phrase of the recapitulation if we can call it this way ends on a b major chord and uh, we would expect a minor major but no yes it's still a minor but a different minor i'll play it to you it's subtle differences subtle variations uh, i'll play to you the two different options so option and then what Ravel has written why transcribe the whole thing in a new key when he could have uh, very well copied and pasted from before once again we are looking at composer that uh, is uh, extremely refined in his choices and um, the decision of adding a nuance uh, such as he wanted the melody to start in the same note in, the, in which the melody has ended uh, that would, uh, would uh, lead to transcribe the whole thing on the new note. This is makes it obviously a bit harder for the player, but the listener would uh, um, somehow absorb, uh, kind of, I suspect, a bit unconsciously, this uh, little nuance. Um, would not hear it exactly what it is that makes it sound um, the same, but yet uh, different from before. Ravel adds uh, closure of the entire minuet um, 
it sounds like this. We can fairly consider uh, this section a coda. Quite unusual for uh, a minuet to have a coda, especially uh, an open-ended one like this one. Uh, the melody reaches high and in a way it kind of evaporates away. Uh, it's interesting this uh, harp and vibrato effect in the end. Here's the harp. And this uh, vibrato in the end. Quite uh, unusual. Um, okay, so let's draw some final consideration. Um, if the goal is beauty, elegance, lightness, why? choosing a minuet. Um, a minuet to a composer is a form, is a musical form uh, with some possibility of expression and creativity but is a form with uh, special restrictions, the restriction imposed by tradition. So to call something a minuet means that you must refer to what the minuet was in this case uh, an aristocratic dance and we said a lot about it already so we cannot know his motivations but uh, the connection with uh, the past uh, in particular a classical past is uh, now and at Ravel's time I mean a clear reference to a repertoire of common cultural ancient profound values uh, of virtue, purity and uh, authenticity. This is possibly what classical means to someone like Ravel. There have been many returns to the classics in art and music and uh, the one that Ravel interprets is one in which beauty is an ideal object of uh, contemplation something somehow distant not tangible no real uh, something that can be witnessed mostly uh, if not solely by um, an aesthetic experience um, the classical repertoire in this case represented by the minuet carries qualities that we i'm talking about europeans at least identify with qualities uh, that we have learned to recognize ourselves with and uh, to appreciate for their own sake for example uh, beauty elegance aristocracy purity authenticity 
nobility uh, by uh, delicately adding a, a, a level, a layer of more nuanced sounds and shaded colors and possibly a less positive development he's offering us the opportunity to look a bit deeper into this object of contemplation and not just uh, appreciating uh, its beautiful surface which obviously is uh, very beautiful is, uh, to the senses this is uh, appealing uh, is smooth is uh, is very elegant um, so in this case the classical minuet is at once an example of uh, perfection in the classical sense but also a symbol possibly of uh, lost innocence social manners that have lost their meaning empty facades there is a sense of uh, melancholy that travels through uh, this sh small uh, piece uh, this is what we might be nostalgic about though beauty that once was filled with purpose virtue meaning that has shaded with time has been some somehow corrupted uh, possibly ravel is nostalgic about that too uh, but i find it very significant that the piece does not take the place uh, the, the form of a statement uh, Ravel is not is not trying to shake our senses uh, by showing the corruption, the evil, the ugliness, and uh, by perhaps pushing our ears into ideas of good versus bad. Um, it's not a, it's not making a statement trying to uh, suggest we should uh, maybe um, combat the um, spread of ugliness in the world. Um, but Ravel is just showing us beauty. Ravel accomplishes uh, what only the best artists are capable of doing, which is allowing us uh, to choose freely how deep we want to find meaning in it. We can just question the origin and the meaning of this beauty, as we have been doing throughout this podcast. What is it? Where it comes from? Or we can just stay on the surface and let our senses enjoy uh, the, the beauty, the elegance. And there is there is no either or uh, Ravel allow us to do one or the other. Other composers have in the past um, operated with a similar attitude, like uh, I'm thinking, for example, Shostakovich, whose music could have been read equally well as a critique or as a celebration of the communist dictatorship. Or Mozart, whose magic flute is filled with uh, Masonic messages and symbols, but only for those who can hear them. If you don't hear them, or if you don't know about them, you can still appreciate the music for its own beauty. So this is why I find this um, dive into the past uh, meaningful and and, and uh, interesting. Ravel is telling us mm, neither why it sounds melancholic nor what it is that we 
should feel nostalgic about uh, as a matter of fact it ends in the same beautiful positive delightful way it has started Ravel just wants us to enjoy the magic of diving into the past but uh, without forgetting uh, in the end it's all a dream versions of it I, uh, I encourage you to listen to to them particularly uh, the one for orchestra uh, Ravel was not just uh, uh, extremely unique and uh, fantastic uh, composer but he was also an exceptional orchestrator he was able to transform pieces not originally written for orchestra he was able to transcribe them for the many uh, different sounds that an orchestra have adding many more layers of uh, interpretation um, uh, a, a number of his works are written for um, piano and for orchestra as well um, particularly famous i'm sure you're familiar with it is the um, picture of an exhibition by modes musorsky that um, is equally famous in the piano solo version written originally by the composer Musowski but also the orchestra version that is uh, uh, performed uh, often I would say still nowadays was originally uh, written by Ravel so with this in mind I'm going to perform this uh, uh, minuet I hope you enjoyed today I look forward to our next uh, appointment with uh, Where is the Music Podcast.
Thanks for listening to Where is the Music podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, look up for others. I made a few. I publish an episode every week roughly, investigating each time a different aspect of music, the music making, the music listening, the meaning of music and its relevance in our lives. It is very helpful for me if you like, subscribe, follow on your favorite platform. Where is the music is on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TuneIn and Google Podcasts. If you like to support me, you're free to do so through Patreon. Link in description. Thank you again. Until next time.